Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. And joining me as a special guest co-host tonight, we have back from the Inside Metal documentary series, producer Carl Alvarez. How are you, Carl? Pretty good, Mark. Uh, glad we can. Uh, glad I can co-host here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You. Thanks for joining uh, me. And and on the documentary series, am am I IDing you correctly? You're technically the producer of it is that is that what your role and yeah, title is sir there's like three producers bob joe floyd and i so we're kind of a happy clan doing cool. this uh, inside metal series cool and i know most of the listeners already know where they can go uh to get the the documentary series we will have that linked through today's show notes again on talkingmetal.com and of course the way i watched it was on amazon prime streaming which is uh, which is great if you can watch it there. It looked and sounded great, and just a real great documentary you guys put together. Two-parter at this point, right? And it captures really the the definitive LA metal scene, uh, inside metal. So again, I would say yes. <laughs> yeah, Carl, thanks for joining us. And you know what I really enjoyed about having you on the podcast you were on two different podcasts but that last one you really started going into actual memories of the la metal scene and just kind of little intimate inside moments that you witnessed and i thought that was really cool and you know i have a lot of just personal memories of being a heavy metal fan through the years too and i and i and the, the listeners really loved hearing that stuff so i I thought maybe we would just kind of share, as two metal fans, two hard rock fans, some of mm-hmm. our memories. And, you know, the, we encourage the listeners to tweet us with, with your memories 
and uh, send send me an email go on facebook we have a comment section on talkingmetal.com i'd love to hear from you guys i'd love to hear what some of your early hard rock and metal memories are and on that note let's let's start at the beginning let's let's talk about the first concerts we we both ever went to and you obviously started going to concerts a little before I did. How, how old are you, Carl? Do you mind me mention? Oh, <laughs> 51. 51. Okay. Well, I'm 47. So it makes, I'm probably about three or four years behind you, which makes total sense. So let's talk about our first concerts. First concert you ever saw, which you already told me what it is, and it's a good one. Let us know. Back in Black, ACDC, September third i believe 1980 wow um you know i was really bummed when bob scott died i wasn't at the age of really going to concerts when highway to hell came out right or being aware of what venues or where to go to see these shows but by the time a year later i was definitely uh i wasn't gonna miss this one and by that time i had the whole catalog practically of acdc so going to see i think back in black was just obviously out of the box record and the record came out in july and we saw him in uh september right before school started when i was 15 where did you see him this was a big venue it was actually outdoors it was a speedway in san Bernardino, california which san Bernardino, i think we talked a little briefly about it that's near where i lived in redlands california but it probably in the whole concert industry it's like a secondary market it's not like a prime market like la but it is in Southern California, and um, it was—they never really had shows at this Speedway outdoor thing. So it was actually a festival, if you can imagine. Right. It was Nantucket, I believe, that was on the bill. Uh, Bloister Cult, Molly Hatchet, and ACDC. So it was a real kind of all dayer type thing. But you know, I loved all those bands, but ACDC was you know what we were going to see. So and that was uh, a real interesting time for ACDC because, of course. Obviously, the big thing was they got a new singer, and they put out this record, which, you know, it went on to just sell millions and millions. It's one of the the best-selling albums of all time. It's up there with Hotel California and Thriller. Back in Black is right there. I actually think it's overtaken uh, Hotel California at this point. But that was a big record. And I was, again, a, a, a few years behind you. But the thing I remember when that record came out and Bon Scott died, I mean, ACDC were, were getting popular in the, in the U.S., but when that record hit, they just exploded. And it was almost like, and, you know, correct me if, if I'm wrong, but, but Bon Scott's death really threw that band's name into the headlines. And they they had to follow it up with something good, and they did, Back in Black. But I remember that Back in Black was exploding, and they were playing, you know, You Shook Me All Night Long on the radio, Back in Black, Shoot the Thrill. And then Dirty Deeds was re-released officially in this country. Like, you used to be able to buy it as an import, but they started pushing the song Dirty Deeds on radio right as... <laughs> Back in Black was like blowing up on radio. I'm talking about FM radio. At least that's how it was where I was living. So we were just getting hit with with ACDC. And for a kid who who was still rather young at the time, 
you know, the floodgates just opened up because, again, ACG, ACDC just exploded on the radio with Back in Black, and it wasn't just that record. It was like they were suddenly just going back into the catalog, and there was this real ACDC renaissance going on, at least on the FM stations I was listening to. Oh, that was another funny note to that, too. Uh, I don't know if you remember Dr. Demento. He was kind of a... Yeah. yeah. He used to play big balls on on that show. So, you know, like you said, they kind of covered a lot of fronts, you know, in terms of just knowing what ACDC was about. To a lot of people, they were new. Maybe it had to do with the kind of the 80s. That was the beginning of the 80s. And obviously, just a great record. But, you know, it caught on really slowly. And I think... By the year, once the year came up, it it was like you said everywhere you could hear those songs. And so, yeah. what we were what when we went to see them, we were just fans early on and curious about the band. And they were playing, you know, ten miles away from us. We weren't going to miss this. And you know, just seeing them and seeing their just backline of amplifiers, right? And just the thunderous stuff that was coming out from them, and then. Watching Angus Young, and this is my first concert, so I'm seeing Angus Young, and I'm going, "Oh, cool! When's this guy gonna stop moving?" Right, because he's yeah. moving whole time, and I'm yeah. he didn't stop; right. <laughs> he kept on going over and over and over. But it made it fun, and then obviously they went into the bad boy boogie and him doing the kind of the strip tease and pulling right. down the pants, and you know that whole thing. So. All of it was kind of just it was a it was a great end of summer type thing, perfect concert before we went back to school, and all the kids were talking about it, you know, when we got back to school because most of my class was at that show, so or yeah. some of the class, I should say. And so, Yang, <laughs> Angus was, was, it, was oh, you know, I don't know if I give you a parallel. Devo, you know, Freedom of Choice had just came sure. out like summer, so everybody was into Whip It, you know, and that video was just being banged hard on on MTV so those were the two kind of parallels that were happening being a high school kid <laughs> yeah and and the look of the band you know we always picture Brian Johnson with his his hat on that mm-hmm. became really a signature thing with Brian Johnson but correct me if i'm wrong on that tour that was pre hat for Brian Johnson i think he came out and his his hair was kind of almost Afro-esque, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, there's a photographer by the name of Chris Walter who took pictures of everybody. Uh, you can look at him online. He has a couple ACDC shots from that particular show. And yeah, you're correct. He didn't wear he didn't wear the uh, the hat at all. Yeah. It was kind of puffy and but uh, you know to. Uh, signature brian johnson though you know yeah (laughs) street clothes jeans i mean the whole bit you know so yeah and you know i also he really kind of did this throughout the rest of his time with acdc but i felt like it was even more so in those early days that he would really kind of just almost kind of stand on the side of the stage uh, and angus was always front and center Mm-hmm. At least that's I saw them a little bit later on the the oh what tour was that fly fly in the wall tour and mm-hmm. and that's how it was then do you remember if if that was how it was when you saw him on this tour yeah because obviously it, Angus is just the focal point hugely but it it seemed to be like Brian Johnson he wasn't like 
off to the side of the stage, but I think he was kind of getting his bearings together. You know, I, I, they played in Europe, I think, before that, and these are like the first dates in America that wow. they were playing. Wow. So it was kind of a getting acquainted, perhaps. But you know, that probably seemed to be how they went about the shows. You know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, nowadays I, I talk with people, and I, I feel like there's a among the hardcore music fans, sometimes there's a little bit of a backlash against the, the record back in black. And I think it's simply because it is just so popular and, and everyone knows that record. But personally, I just think that that record is so perfect. Every song, just all the way through. And I know people are like, well, it's not, you know, it's not bond. It's not, you know, let there be rock. It's not power age, but that record for me is perfect hard rock, uh, just all the way through. Oh, I remember when that it came out and I went to my cousin's house and this is like the first time we're actually listening to a new record of ACDC. You know, there wasn't old records that have already been out. This is actually the release date of the record. And we sat down and listened to it and we were like, we weren't sure of it, but then we heard the songs and it, they, Obviously, you know, Back in Black was just, it was just a cool tune, you know, that riff, the whole vibe of it. So we we liked that song and we started to like other songs. And so it was a new experience, but it was great for ACDC to really not miss a step. I think if they would have missed a step, they wouldn't have really catapulted. Obviously, a good record helps, but, uh, you know, coming out of Bon Scott's death in February of that year and just really... Laying a, laying a great record down after the experience and everything that goes behind the record and back in black, it's kind of a morning, but yet it's a rebirth and it, it has all the elements to, you know, be a great record. We didn't know this at the time, but as years go by, it just, it's a perennial record that never goes away. Absolutely. Let's get into a track off that record right now. This is What Do You Do For Money, Honey by ACDC. <laughs> Oh, 
That was What Do You Do For Money, Honey by ACDC, the third song off of Back in Black. Uh, Carl, my first concert, by the way, was at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago, which was kind of, at the time, not the greatest neighborhood in, in the Chicago land area. And I went is with my, my South mom. Southside? Yeah, right by Wrigley Field there. So uh, I went with my mom and two friends from school, and she took us to see Heavy Penton, Saxon, and Motley Crue. This was the Shout at the Devil tour. Motley had been out on the road opening for Ozzy, and then they did uh, their their own headlining tour. It was like kind of a co-headlining thing with Saxon. Um, and it was just just a great, great night, and uh, the energy level just through the roof. And such a, a they played every song off a of shout at the devil except danger. That was the only song they didn't play off that record. So, but great memories of that show. And uh, it's been uh, 1984 then. Yes. I would yeah, because yeah. I I bought the T-shirt and I at the and I still have it to this day. And it said Motley Crue tour 1983-84. But I definitely saw them in in 84. And that was, you know, I'd been to like a couple concerts with my parents, like Chuck Mangione and stuff, but uh, that was my first rock concert for sure. And uh, so yeah. it's like your first impression. I mean, you were probably seeing heavy petting and going, "When's Motley Crue come on?" Or when Saxon? Yeah, Saxon? well, you know, you know, I had, I had I had got the Crusader record by by Saxon simply because I knew I was going to their concert and I wanted to be familiar with his songs. So Saxon, I really enjoyed. Heavy Penton, I didn't really know much about. Um, but it was in Motley Crue. I was already had both of their records at that point. So, you know, it, I was totally into them. So it was, it, it was an eye opening experience for me too, because I was like, I went in there and I had like this nerdy, like windbreaker jacket on, you know, and, and these were rock kids and metal heads and stuff at this concert. So I, I almost felt like, you know, a little out of place. I was kind of like uh, had a little preppy vibe going on there, you know. So it was a little intimidating, but I, I loved it so much. And it, and I, I've, honestly, the next day I started dressing differently. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was that. Life changer. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And it was it was eye opening because I kind of came from this uh, this preppy little sub suburban town where there weren't a lot of metal heads and stuff. And it was it was eye opening that something was, was happening and there was a movement going on here. And I, I jumped on board. I was sold and uh, great, great memories of that show. Let's get into a little Motley Crue right now. This is a song that they did at the show. It's called bastard.
Bastard by Motley Crue. Used to be my favorite song for a while off of Shout at, uh, Shout at the Devil. Looking back, nowadays it's probably not, but as a kid there was like a three-month period where I just lift the needle up and play that song over and over and over again. Great stuff. So Ozzy Osbourne uh, was somebody I kind of you know gravitated towards when the solo records came out. I heard started hearing people talk about about him at school and he'd bit the head off a, a bat and all this and it peaked all that stuff piqued my interest and I ended up buying the the diary of of uh, a madman record and went back from there and it was I really I didn't actually didn't get to see him live until uh, Ultimate Sin many years mm-hmm. later but you you saw him live very early on right uh yeah oakland coliseum july 4th 1981 um this was a kind of a really if you ever seen the ross halfen photo of a stadium where ozzy's uh on stage with randy right uh and out at the crowd that's that show wow uh now that that show in particular was i had just seen van halen fair warning tour uh like two weeks prior to that so this is like my next show i saw that at the forum second night three night stand of at of van halen at in la and it was it was an awesome show life-changing too in another yeah. respect but seeing randy rhodes that it was a it was six bands that day and ozzy was the first band and i remember it was my cousin bert and i we went up i don't we didn't take the bart up there oh my sister took us and we had got there, and they had already been playing, and like we wanted to see them so badly because yeah. we love Crazy Train, and the whole record was just a mind blower. It was that summer record, basically, of 1981. And just hearing Randy Rhodes play, it was really, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it was really electrifying. And you could feel like, you could tell the band was on fire because he had 60,000 people who were ready for seeing Ozzy. They, a lot of people just got there early. The place was packed. Right. And right. the frenzy that was, was occurring, that was happening in our eyes and ears, it was just, it was really mind-blowing. It was amazing. And just to hear Randy play and that intensity and the loud uh, energy that was coming off. So it was a really great show. And even after they did come off, and it was a long day too, I mean, that bill had Pratt Travers on there, Hart, uh, Blue Oyster Cult. I wow. uh, can't remember who else. There two other bands. Arios, no, not Ario Speedwagon. Um, but it was a long day, but they were they won the day, hands down. And who was playing with him at this point? I, I'm guessing that was Rudy was mm-hmm. already in because what happened, if I remember correctly, was they – release diary and then shortly after that there wasn't a a lot of time in between when they recorded diary of a madman which had rudy's picture on it originally and and uh tommy aldrich's picture but those guys did not play on the record um right and they joined the 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 band and they went out and, and were touring and i believe they were out with ozzy touring before diary even came out which again mm-hmm. featured Lee and and Bob, you know, on on drum and bass. But it, it, at the time, it, it, which was pretty common in those days, they tried to kind of fake it. And and when you bought Diary, it was Rudy's picture on the inner sleeve. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I actually met Ozzy two days before that. They had an in-store in Fremont, California, where my dad lives, and we went down to meet Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> wow. And he was, he was like his belly. I remember just seeing him because we were all our us kids were waiting. There was like three hundred kids waiting to get our record signed. And we were hoping Randy would show up, but he never did. Obviously, wow. it was it was an Aussie type thing. But he was seemed really kind of out of it and burned out. You yeah. know, I'm like, wow, I hope he can pull off a great show because he just I don't know, maybe it was a drug induced haze or he yeah. was just tired. Or they had actually been rehearsing down south before this tour. If you read Rudy Sarza's book, he he talks about the whole thing. So, like a week prior to the, the actual. Which the the concert I went to was called Day on the Green, and if you know the Bay Area, this Day on the Green, Bill Graham put these on. Yeah. Uh, long shows, different bands. I mean, amazing bills that occurred at the Oakland Coliseum where the Raiders played during uh, and the A's played during the the off season or the on season, whatever however you look at it. But uh, it was it was an event really, and people really appreciated what Bill Graham did uh, with these shows because they were so unique and so amazing, uh, these lineups. So it was a treat to see uh, Ozzy and Randy. And I always felt as years went on, if I would have been five years older, I would have saw, I would have definitely went down to see Van Halen at the Starwood and Quiet Riot at the Starwood of the Whiskey to see Randy. I know I would have. Yeah. I'm glad I got to see it a little bit later on the grander scale and I appreciated that too because it was those are my top 10 concerts really if you look at it so in terms of what I saw and but it was it was a chilling experience definitely you know I don't know if kids could really say that there's something like that for them now you know but it's it's I appreciated it then and I appreciate it now yeah yeah it was such a different time and the fact that there wasn't YouTube and this, you know, everything streaming and so accessible, it some of these things were much more intimate. I think in, in a lot of ways for for the people experiencing it, and special and and valuable, you know. So I I, I really think there, you know, and I'm sounding like an old man here, but but. There, that was a special time. Let's just put it that way. That will never ever be repeated. I would say we say now less is more, and that's really kind of the credo now. But back then, it was less is more, but you got more. Right. (laughs) Really cool. Well, well, Carl, I'm I'm sorry to cut this short, but we're gonna have you back. Uh, Unfortunately, I got to hop on another call for an interview. We're going to have you back. I would love to hook up with you next week if you're available, and we'll do another one of these because there's a lot more to talk about. But sure. it's always great talking hard rock, talking metal with you. Where's the best place people can get in touch with you online? Well, I have a personal Facebook page, you know, Carl Alvarez. Uh, you could probably find me there. Uh, Inside Metal has it. It's called Inside LA Metal because that's how we kind of started it. But that's kind of a primary location in terms of – you can reach me there too. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, that Carl is my handle. Uh, yeah, so those are the best places. Cool, to reach Carl. Out. What should we play here to wrap things up from uh, Ozzy? Um, let's just go Crowley, man. I okay. can't talk. Right on, guys. Thanks for joining us on Talking Metal. Check out the show notes on talkingmetal.com. 
We'll talk to you next time.